Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall, in the pub, in the tab, in the Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we have Renee Webster with us, who is the writer and the director of um, How to Please a Woman, which is being on at the movies right now. So I'm hoping you guys saw this when on my Instagram page couple of weeks ago I said how good it was and I know some of my patients have told me in the last couple of weeks that they've been to see it and they loved it. So for me this story just really touched my heart really because I loved the way the women and the men were portrayed. So I'm very lucky today to have Renee here to tell us about how she came up with this amazing story. So welcome. Thanks Melissa. Um, Well what would you like to know? Well first of all where did the idea come from? Um, to write this story and how long did it take you to, to write the story? Uh, so if you write a feature film and do the whole business of uh, growing the finance and getting all the money and the casting, it takes a long time. So for us this was a five-year um, process, probably a bit longer because you often start a little bit slowly. Um, so yeah, five, five years. For me, I did some other projects along the way as well. But the idea came from, I heard about and read about um, a company in Melbourne who offered sexual services for women. And um, the thing that really caught my attention was they were so different to what I anticipated or what I kind of thought that sort of company would be. Mm -hmm. These women described themselves as housewives um, and I was really intrigued. So I, and and I sort of had this preconceived idea about what the sex industry is and that's what, you know, when I kind of read their story, they had some really interesting press about them. I, I was just, you know, every little bit of 
um, filmmaker nerve ending had a, you know, a little tingle happening. So I kind of took a big breath and I um, got in contact with them. I read everything about them to start with. Uh, but then I, um, then I rang them up and asked if I could talk to them because I was just super interested, like, um, you know, is it legal? And um, the thing I was really interested in, though, was who are your clients? You know, who are these women who choose to pay for sex? And that's where it got really interesting. Yeah. And so what, what did they tell you? Were they, what, like, what sort of women were they that... What I found out was that often the women who came to them who wanted to pay for sex were maybe looking for healing. So they either, a lot of them hadn't had sex for a really long time. And the most interesting thing for me was they hadn't had sex for a long time, but they didn't want to give up on it. So maybe for them, their last sexual experience had not been very positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And or... Um, for some of them, it had been like many, many years and they just didn't know how to kind of get back on the horse. Um, yes, you can kind of go and get a hookup, but, um, the women who came to them as clients didn't want to have a hookup. Uh, they didn't feel safe in that environment. Um, the other thing that their clients were after was a kind of a quality experience where they could feel safe Mm -hmm. and in control. So I was just fascinated because often these women who were their clients essentially were a bit disempowered and maybe might not have good self-esteem if they hadn't been able to have sex for a long time, but they were prepared to back themselves enough, you know, and not give up on sex to seek out this company and um, pay for it. That was the spark of the story. And then where did you go from there? Oh, so the other thing I was really interested in was writing a character who was a woman who was about 50, who felt invisible in her life. Um, We don't often hear a lot of those stories. Technically, when you write a movie, you kind of want your main character to really um, be incredibly activated. And there's a reason in the film world why they call things like the hero's journey. And and often women um, in their 50s, who don't, you know, who are either feeling invisible or don't have a lot of agency in their life, it's hard to get a feature film to work, to get a story to work if they're the ones at the centre of it driving it. So I always had this character that I really wanted to write about. I was also really interested in um, a marriage story where the husband is the one who has lost his connection to his own desire. Mm. We don't hear about that a lot. And... In a film, you've only got a hundred minutes, so you can't tell everything. So this film looks at what it's like to be married to that man. So it's very much about the female experience of that. But I, again, I want to, we don't get that character very often. And, and it's not a man who's having physical problems with an erection or performance. He just has lost his own connection to his own desire. And um, so I wanted to to write. um, So suddenly for me, when I write a story, I suddenly have this kind of cluster of things that start to work together. I thought, what if, you know, this woman that I wanted to write is the least likely person you would imagine to run this particular service that comes about in the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how can I make her do that? Yeah. I loved the character of her husband who I think is played by Cameron Dado. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I really identified with him probably because he's the kind of 
patient that I see most often in my practice. And I love the fact that, like, I felt sorry for him. And, um, you know, I understand it's only a hundred minute movie and it was about the woman's story, but I loved his character and I thought that it really showed a bit of understanding about how men feel like he looked so sad about the fact that he'd lost his desire. And that story where he, that bit in the kitchen where he says, oh, I, I went to my GP and there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and he just looked so kind of sad and resigned to that. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I had to fight really hard to keep his story in the film as it was. And um, when you develop a film, you develop it in the context of teams and there begins to be money attached to the film. So there's a lot of voices and vested interests. So as the filmmaker, you sometimes have to really try and protect parts of the film because you start to get a lot of input. And the input I had consistently about that character was people just didn't believe it. They felt like he should be having an affair or that I needed to show the reason. So um, I'm, I'm really glad I kept it in there, but it, it was a hard one to kind of get over the line and it was a story I really wanted to tell. I would have loved to have made it a more complex story within the film. Yeah, I felt like um, it is not a story. Like often you see men in those sort of type of movies in those stories as the villain, like they've done something wrong and I, I liked the fact that he wasn't the villain. You almost were like, oh, it's really sad what he's going. And I, I suppose from my perspective, I just looked at him and went, he's going through male menopause. That poor man has mm. low testosterone. And like I wanted to reach out and say, we can help. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because uh, I did write him as someone um, who just had a low testosterone count. And it's interesting that you felt sad for him. So I wrote, when I wrote him, um, I also wrote a man who didn't have he, he was very intelligent, but he didn't have a really sophisticated emotional intelligence. And what that meant was his kind of coping with this experience wasn't very good. No. His coping mechanisms were also a bit unkind, you know, like he really was walling out his wife, etc. So um, a lot of audiences really didn't like him and I, I felt sad for that. I didn't think they <laughs> would dislike him that much, but some people really struggled with that, I think because he plays, I, I also kind of wanted to give that problem to someone who's an alpha male. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then to have him not really cope with it. And that's what happens. So he, you know, there's gaslighting in there and he's um, he exhibits all these sorts of things that we don't enjoy, but really he's just struggling with it. Yeah. It was interesting because I saw that movie with some girlfriends and afterwards they were like, oh, you can't blame her. Her husband was a jerk. And I was like, oh, no, her husband's just crying out for help. Like he mm. needs help. And I can totally understand in that situation why her as the wife, she wouldn't understand that because it's not we, – we talk a lot about female menopause and how women change but we don't really know, I don't think, as a society that men's desire levels change and it's not all about physically being able to get an erection, that men do have waxing and waning, you know, with their libidos in their lifetime and sometimes they need help too and it's kind of not, as, not very masculine if you're an alpha male to go and tell someone you have that problem. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think we don't hear about it enough, and um, and I think it's more common than what people understand. Similarly, so in the movie, I we I try and kind of look at stories we don't always hear a lot about. So I was also interested in you know what it's like in a heterosexual marriage that you know is some decades down the road. What it's like 
when the woman would like to be having sex more than her husband because I think that also brings it that can bring a lot of pressure to a marriage we always hear about it in reverse yeah in reverse but when I hear about it from couples or from if I hear about it in relationships it puts a huge amount of pressure um on the marriage as well yeah and I think there's more pressure perhaps in that when it's that way around just because as a society we often expect that the man will want sex more than the woman and then when it's the other way around it seems so much more shocking than 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 when it is that the lady's lost lost interest in sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right for sure. And it's also and and this is probably a gross generalization but it is definitely what I see that it's a, it's socially acceptable for a woman to say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've lost my libido, but it's and they and we might tell our friends that as a middle-aged woman, but it's so much harder for a guy to go to the golf club and say to his mate, hey, are you guys losing your, like, your sex drive? I don't have one anymore. It's do, you think, um, do you think that's an Australian thing? Honestly, I don't know because I can't speak for – like I haven't worked in any other countries. But no, from my experience with like people that I see in Australia, like I see a lot of English people, I see a lot of people from um, like Arabic countries and it's common in, in those – you know, in those examples. So I think perhaps it is cross-cultural, but we all have maybe different ways of dealing with that. Mm, yeah. And and I do think it's particularly the men that I see that have sexual dysfunction issues, the ones that have quite um, academic kind of like jobs where they're in control of things find it harder because they can usually work their way out of and fix things in most of their life and then suddenly when they're faced with hormonal changes and things that, that they can't change or fix on their own, they feel really it's it's much harder for them. Mm. And these are the things I suppose we don't hear about. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. yeah, a really simple example that I give is um, I see lots of men that have had their prostate out. So they will have erectile dysfunction following that. And the guys often who are tradesmen who are very practical will come in and take like a duck to water to, okay, this is what I have to do for rehabilitation and they'll just go home, do it and it, they won't, it, it won't be so emotional for them. They'll come back and we, we get through the motions and we eventually things get better. But the men who are so used to like really thinking about things and being really quite academic about things and working their way through problems just seem to take it harder on, on average because they're used to being able to work their way out and fix things quickly. Mm, yeah, yep. So, and, and I suppose it's probably the same for women as well, I'm sure, but I, I see a lot more men and I, I think that because as a community we don't talk about that how men feel about these things openly, it's much less known. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I agree with you. I think we hear much more about uh, about women and that's why when, um, you know, I was preparing or writing this film, I was surprised how hard it was to convince some of the counterparts along the way about putting that story in there. Yeah, 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 it's really interesting. But I also think um, a few, well, quite a few episodes ago, we in, I interviewed um, Tamara Hunter, who's a gynecologist, about menopause because I also think that many men don't understand what women are going through at, at this stage of life. And it's one of our most listened to episodes because I think men really want to know about women and how they feel. And that's what I love so much about your movie. Like, I think there'll be so many men that will go along and see that and maybe hopefully open up a conversation with their wife. You yeah, I, I, you know, I, I really hope so. It was a film that, you know, it's marketed for, towards women mm -hmm. and I know that happened for a reason because there is um, an understanding 
that women are usually the ones who organise and buy the cinema tickets. So oh. for that reason, I know the marketing lent really into making this a female, you know, a kind of female skewing film. But the men who've come along have really liked it and I, I you know, I, I hoped that they would. And, yeah, I think so the movie kind of views sex as a conversation between people and it acknowledges that that conversation can change with time. So, you know, what you just said that, that it might open up new conversations for people, lots of feedback I'm hearing, you know, is that it, that it does. So that's just terrific. It's amazing if you can go see a film and have a good time. Um, but if it might just shift something for yourself as well, then, um, then that's really exciting to hear that for me as a filmmaker. Yeah, like, I saw two guys today actually who said, oh, I saw on your Instagram that you went and saw that movie. I took my wife. I loved it and it looked like such a chick flick. Yeah. <laughs> so so what, um, the, what, what the word on the street is is that it's a really good date night movie if you're a guy taking your um, – taking your partner heterosexual or not yeah of course because you might get lucky when you get home because everyone's excited about the possibilities (laughs) (laughs) and then the other interesting male character that I loved was the orthopedic surgeon who's married to the corporate lawyer right yeah so would you tell us a little bit about that that interaction because that was like a lovely marriage and yeah yeah. it's a tiny part in the film but it was really important to me I guess what I wanted to make sure in this movie was that uh, we have a positive marriage story within it Mm -hmm. um so that you know for uh, any of your listeners who haven't seen it there's you know when you meet each person you tend to get to know a little bit about their sex life eventually Um, and so I wanted to make sure it wasn't always all about singles. Anyway, in this particular marriage, so there's Tasma Walton, um, plays, um, a corporate lawyer and, um, they just have a situation in their marriage. Uh, You know, again, this is quite a small part in the film, but that there's a kind of established dynamic, which is he does the asking. Mm -hmm. Um, so when it comes to sex and intimacy, so he's the chaser. And yep. she likes to be chased. And that's been lovely for them. But, you know, 10, 20 years later, <laughs> maybe it's wearing a bit thin and he's stopped asking. So in the film, she starts to wonder if maybe what might happen if she did the asking. And it takes one of the um, younger male sex providers in the film to say he had the same thing. And, you know, you have that's um, Alexander England, so much younger, good-looking guy kind of saying, um, you know, he loved it when his girlfriend would ask, but she'd never ask and he always wished she would. So that kind of gives them the courage to do it and um, she does it in style. <laughs> yeah, she did. She, she was great. I loved her. She, and I loved the way he responded. Like he was so excited. And, yeah. But I think it is hard for women when their their partner or any, it doesn't matter really, when one person is always initiating and that's how it's always been. We have in our relationships, we often set up a script that we always follow and then it's hard to change that. So, you know, often I'll say to couples, you know, you wouldn't eat the same flavour ice cream every day. So why would you always have sex the same way? You know, you get into bed, touch your right arm, touch your right leg and then off you go and or this person initiates it and this person does and it's nice to mix the script up sometimes and, and that's precisely what worked in that situation with that couple. Like he was so excited when yeah. she flipped it on her head but she was nervous. Like she looked nervous about 
doing it. Yeah, she was nervous. Yep. And and you could see, so her character was nervous and had to kind of build up to that and get some, and she needed a little bit of help to get herself over the line. And that came in the strangest form. That came in the form of a sex worker cleaning her bathroom, talking about his own life. Yeah. And revealing. So what we try and, what I try and do in the film is, you know, it's this kind of mad, fun, tender, joyful sort of romp in some ways. But, you know, and... And um, the 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 fun that happens in the film and it's a bit naughty. So it does all of that, but there's also some pain and tenderness. But I just try and crack open each of the characters' lives a little bit to kind of reveal within that with that the inner life is often incredibly human, not what's expected. So the sex workers in the film who are, again, if you haven't seen it, who are not very expected sex workers, they're... <laughs> soon to be unemployed removalists, um, <laughs> you know, are also having their own issues, you know, and also having their own um, struggles with either being able to keep a relationship or make their own relationship work. Yeah, I loved also when they were getting interviewed at the police station about, oh, did you feel violated at any time? And they're looking at each other like, oh, no, were you forced to do it at any time? And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was still a really important part of the mm. film for us because um, this is the film, the story is about sex work and consent mm. is so important. Definitely. So we made sure that um, several times and in the scenes you see they're asked if they want to do it, they're offered an alternative. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and also the other thing, the other great spot I thought was where um, Eric Thompson, I can't remember what his act, what his, what he, his mm-hmm. character. Steve. Steve. Yeah. Um, one of the young guys comes to him and says, you know, I don't actually know if I know how to please a woman. Like that's such a raw thing. I think there's so many men out there that would look at that and go, I've thought that too. Like how do you? And then he says, well, you're a better man than most or something if you admit it. I just thought, yeah. gorgeous. That He didn't give him the answer though, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't, which I thought was pretty much he probably doesn't really know either. And actually, you know, Pleasing every woman is different. So just because you know how to please one doesn't mean you know how to yeah. please another. So. Yeah. I, the movie was trying to really acknowledge that as well. That's really hard to do mm. and to get it right and that all the women will be different and then each individual woman can be different every time. And um, so I was trying to just be really um, honest and truthful about um, sexual realities for people. Yeah, and, and oh, and also the other part, and it even touches, like, you kind of touched on everything that I see in my day-to-day job, like, where you touched on the idea that that one woman was quite interested in trying same a same-sex mm. um, sexual experience, and she'd obviously been in a long-term heterosexual relationship and wanted to try that, and, like, how, like, she was curious and she wanted to yeah. try it out and she wasn't sure and how did she go about that? Yeah, I did want to write that character in because I think again that's something that is not unusual. Mm. Um, and but what she, what this character wanted to do was she wanted to find out for herself. She didn't know, and she also sort of wanted to do that in a safe and respectful way, mm. um, and not to sort of start to be with someone else and then decide she doesn't like it. So you know, such a female thing to do to hope it'll be okay for the other person. So yeah. that was kind of her thinking that way she could not have to worry about the other person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was lovely. And yeah, it just felt like you covered all aspects of human sexuality. In oh, there. I'm sure there's a lot we left out. <laughs> well, all middle-aged aspects. Of, yeah. of, you know, and I even thought, you know, 
when when I went to the cinema to see it the two times I went, um, it was mainly middle-aged, you know, probably people 40 and above in the cinema. But I thought it's the kind of thing that even young people, men and women, would get a lot out of if they saw it. Yeah, we, we have um, – so we did a lot of test screenings. And what I did when I made the film is um, when we edited for about 10 weeks and um, every Friday I would – screen the film and watch what I'd done all week. So every Friday I brought a different group of people into the room oh. to watch it with me because when you watch your work, it's very different when you watch it with an audience. I always knew who they were, so I had a sense of their values, their personal politics, I knew their backgrounds, you know, so so that we had a film that felt truthful and kind of reached quite a lot of people. And then in our bigger audiences now we've been out in cinemas a lot of we skewed a lot younger than we anticipated really yeah yep lots of um we have had a lot of much younger audiences and also the um really quite old audiences have loved it (laughs) yeah yeah well I think that's something that um Frankie and Grace you know that I think it's yeah Netflix whatever really brought to the fore that older people do still have sex and they you know I give quite a lot of public talks about senior sexuality you know like you know yeah I I felt a bit frustrated about that as a filmmaker I kind of felt like there's there's this idea that yearning and complexity um, and contradicting feelings belongs in the realm of youth and what is that all just meant to go away of course it doesn't go away Mm -hmm. Um, it probably gets a bit more complicated and our worlds get fuller um, but I really wanted to have a movie that had yearning and complications and pain and all sorts of things um, and that also allowed um, a little bit coming of age. Sometimes I think films that are pitched for a bit of an older audience are a bit too simplistic. So they're a bit like someone is, um, I don't know, 50s, mid, mid to late 50s and they rediscover themselves, you know, in a very singular way mm-hmm. and often it's about not having their spouse there um and yeah I just I I feel like that is something that is missing in our filmmaking are just those stories um that are usually housed within youth can certainly live can you know certainly play out across the ages yeah definitely and I think sexuality is is definitely one of those that you know people (laughs) I had a a patient not long ago answer a survey I sent out where He's, have you ever talked to your GP about your um, sexual issues? And this one guy said, 50, I'm 52 and I said that um, my erections weren't working very well and he told me I was too old to be frisky and just to move past it. And I was just horrified because, you know, I have patients in their 90s who are still regularly sexually active and, mm. and you know, have even met new partners at, at that age. And Yeah. And I think sometimes we, again, we, we and that's where... Um, you know, if you hear that story it, on screen, it's quite hard actually to get those stories right in terms of popular culture and those sorts of things. Um, it's really hard to get sex and sexual stories working well on screen um, and it gets harder to do it, I think, as we get older. So that, you know, the story... So often it's kind of mad comedy when mm. you have... Um, and people in their 90s in a new sexual relationship and doesn't have to be mad comedy but it's very tricky Mm. as filmmakers it's you know you have to get the tone um it's tricky to get that tone just right I think yeah and I think also um there seems to be a change in the last few years that you know you can still be 
attractive um, as you age and, and, you know, attractive in your personality and your physicality rather than before, you know, 10, 15 years ago it was all the youth were attractive and older people yeah. weren't. I think that's changing. Do you feel like that's changing? I absolutely think that is changing. I think some of the change though is because, um, you know, in our popular culture paradigms we are absolutely influenced by Hollywood mm. um, and they all still look really young. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, but no, I, th- I, th- I think that appetite for those stories is is there and we are more interested in just like young um, young people and young stories now, for sure. Yeah. And so why did you choose Fremantle to film it? Fremantle made lots of sense for me to tell this story in because um, for your West Australian listeners, I guess if I had have chosen a demographic, like if this was a Peppermint Grove story or even Cottesloe, I mean, I love Cottesloe, but that is that kind of very much higher end of the socioeconomic demographic. The story feels different. Um and um, so Fremantle is um, cosmopolitan. It has a real sense of humanity to it. It feels a bit like a melting pot. There's all kinds of people in Fremantle, all kinds of um, wealth stratas and those sorts of things. Um, Fremantle's beautiful. Mm. Um, but for me personally, I'm a Fremantle girl. I love Leighton Beach. Um, so in Leighton Beach is where we did a lot of our filming. Um, so it was, it was a personal thing for me as well. Yeah. And I think you're right. I live in Fremantle. I grew up in Fremantle and I lived there. And um, the thing I love about Fremantle is that very large diversity of socioeconomic groups and cultures and all of those things. And and you don't get that very often in in many suburbs. And I think you get that in the town of Fremantle, which is lovely because you can, everyone is all in together and everyone's friends and it's not, it's not so kind of, I don't know the same. Yeah, know. it's not as stratified, I think, mm. as what you get That's in, the in word. other yeah. suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's great. So what's next then? Have you got, are you, are you going to do more along this line? Or? Oh, look, we're just, um, my, so we finished this film at the very end of last year. <laughs> my way of taking a rest was to kind of, was to work on a different project, which was so exciting. So for me, I just directed on the second season of Aftertaste, oh. which is a comedy drama on the ABC with... Um, very badly behaved Eric Thompson in that again, playing that. Um, I loved the first one. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that was just a kind of moment to not think about this film and kind of work on something that someone else has written. It was a great mm-hmm. privilege to do that. Um, and now we're, we're having a think about this movie actually about, we'll consider whether this could be a series. So, um, that's the kind of live question for me and the producers at the moment. And other work that I'm developing is probably a bit too early to mm-hmm. discuss I in would, a coherent way. <laughs> I would love to see the male characters of that movie developed more. Yeah, they were developed. It was just very hard to fit them in. So mm. that's actually the impulse. The, the reason that I would love to take this to series is to do, to give more time to the men mm. um, who I felt didn't get as much time as what I'd love to give them in the film. Yeah, but I think um, it needed it, the women's side definitely needed to be told and, and I definitely think that for men who go and see that, it'll really help them maybe understand how their wives, mothers, daughters, you know, the women in their life, their friend, friends, what, what they're going through and what they feel. I think that's really lovely. But mm. it'd be nice for – I never understood – 
men as well as I do now that I spend all day like talking to them for the last five years and I um, just as a woman before I started doing this as a role I just never realised the I think I underestimated men how deep and how strong their emotions are and I think it would be really nice for the rest of us to get a bit of an insight into that. Mm, Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming in today and I'm really hoping that a lot of the men who listen to this will take their partners along. And um, Yeah, we are still in cinemas but probably not, probably only for a few more weeks is my guess and then we'll be um, streaming later. Okay, great. Yeah. But they could go and see it still at the at the Hoyts at the moment, isn't it? Uh, it depends where you are but if you look it up, you'll yeah, we're definitely still in cinemas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most okay. we went out across most cinemas, and then as you've been on for sort of five or six weeks, as we have now, you're on less and less cinemas. But um, I know we're certainly still across. I can't even remember all the ones because this will be national, right? Yeah, this will be national, and also um, so it's different in every state, worldwide. Yeah. But what? Um, yeah, I'll put in the show notes for anyone who's listening. Um, like a link to the cinemas around Australia so you can have a look. Yeah. Well, we're coming out on Sky. We're a Sky original in the UK in a few weeks. Great. And then also coming out in the States for a cinema release in July followed by um, streaming on demand. So we're very close to our international release now. So Excellent. We'll be everywhere. So this is new that Australia got it first. Yeah, often you can begin in your own country. That That's not that new. Oh. Yeah, if it's your product, yep. Oh, wow. That's great. Mm. Well, we have a lot of listeners in um, the US and Canada. Oh, great. So I'll yes. make sure I put the links of that. I'll get them off you and I'll put yeah, them in terrific. the show notes. Thank too. you. All right. And New Zealand as well. We have a lot of listeners in New Zealand. Oh, okay. So our New Zealand times are the same as Australia. So we're still in cinemas in New Zealand. Great. I really appreciate you making the time to come in. I'm sure you're really busy and um, I reached out to you on a whim. I just thought, oh, you never know, she might answer and, and you I'm did. just down the road, right? Yeah, it was <laughs> fantastic. I really appreciate it's it. It's my pleasure. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there. All of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases. And this helps our podcast to get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. I've got a boy of my own now. It fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man.